You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. So I just have something that I, I wanted to share with you tonight as a church and a word that God's been kind of giving me and something that we've been talking about and learning about um, as a church is um, how to pray. And we, that's something that we've even been talking about um, on Sunday mornings is, is learning about prayer and how um, we can pray more effectively, how we can pray more accurately. And one of the things that we've been talking about is uh, how we can pray in the spirit and how we can pray with our, with knowledge, with the word of God. And that's something that we do with these prayer declarations, right? We pray and we declare and believe God's word that he's got something for us. We're going to stand on those words. Those are facts that don't change. That's where we want to start in our prayer life. But then from there, sometimes it's not just about facts and praying the scripture. Sometimes the Holy Spirit prays through us. And we talked about that on Sunday, that sometimes there's these groanings or the Spirit prays for us because we don't know what to pray. We don't know how to hit the target. And so the Spirit prays for us. And so during these 21 days of prayer and fasting, God's been speaking to me about uh, my life and my, and my family and in my marriage and, and even for us as a church, corporately, what he's wanting to do for us in this year. And so that's something I want to share with you tonight. And you might have noticed one of the prayer declarations talks about pioneers. And I don't know if you thought, thought that was kind of strange or if you even noticed that that was on there. And I kind of want to talk to you about that. And we get this image when you hear the word pioneer. Many times times we think of this image of the old pioneers in the western days when they would go out, right? That kind of New England was settled, the Americas were new, and what they would do is they would load up in these, these wagon trains, and they would go out, and you can see this next picture, they would actually load up sometimes in large groups and go out, and it was really treacherous, it was dangerous, but the thing that's amazing about pioneers, and I love this last picture of them, because you actually get to see um, their faces, this was not an easy thing to do, and pioneers are just really incredible people because especially in this era, see, pioneers have this dissatisfaction for the status quo. I mean, think about it. At that time, they were living in a civilization and a culture that provided what they needed. They had a store they could go to, not what we're used to, but their needs were provided. They probably had some medical stuff that would take care of their needs, right? They're around people that they know. It's familiar. But something happens with the pioneer. They become dissatisfied with the status quo, and they want to push on and go and do something crazy, which seems crazy, is they will go to something that's unexplored, undeveloped, and they will blaze a trail in order to do something that will benefit fit future generations. Because, you know, for many of the pioneers in that time, they may have went searching for gold. They might wanted to go put a claim on a plot of land to start pre- maybe doing something and bettering their family's lives. Maybe whatever the reason was, but there's something inside of them that says, I'm going to leave what I know. Matter of fact, some of these people would leave their families knowing that it might be a long time before they would see them or they would never see them again. Kind of reminds me of the pioneers who actually came even before this generation of pioneers, the ones who left Europe, who actually came to settle the colonies in America, who kind of said goodbye to everything they knew. Why? Because they were pioneers. They were willing to pay a price for a better future that they saw. And it just really amazes me to think that pioneers are willing to go through such incredible hardships in order to do something, to blaze a trail. And here's what's amazing. The pioneers in the wagon days, they would, maybe you've heard, remember the game Oregon Trail? Remember? And it's like, you died, you got dysentery. Remember all those? It was kind of ridiculous. Well, there was an actual trail. You probably learned 
learned about in school, the Oregon Trail, that they would actually travel on before roads, before anything was paved. It was just a dirt path, right? And they would travel and take about six months to get out there in these wagons. It was a lot of work. But then something amazing happened, that as they began to settle this and blaze their trail, the railroad was invented. Trains came along, and they laid tracks all the way out to the West Coast and all of these settlements that were developed. And now instead of taking six months, and it was a long journey, and people would be sick, and people would die, and people were like, Indian attacks, all of these things. It was really tough. Now they've got a train to get out there. And what took months to do, they can now do in probably weeks, right? And had that someone not gone first to blaze that trail, that never would have been something that they would have been able to experience. Now, as much as we understand that idea of pioneers, I think that's something that's really deeply ingrained in our culture, even in the American experience. And I wanted to share some pioneers from you. And this first one is Martin Luther King. Many of us know and we're familiar with him and his story. We just celebrated him um, this month and the amazing, amazing legacy that he had. But see, he was willing to be a pioneer for a civil rights movement, recognizing that people were treated differently, that they weren't treated fairly. He had this deep understanding that God created us all equal. And so he was willing to pay a price, he was not popular, right? It was not something that we were like, yeah, go get it. He had to fight for and pioneer freedom for people to experience what now we take for granted, what many people, we just assume. He had to push through that culture. He had to pay the price. He had to pioneer. And it's amazing to see what he did. This next one was not so much a um, something social, but this is Henry Ford. He didn't invent the car. Some people think that he invented the car. He didn't. He just invented the assembly line that made cars available to everyone. Matter of fact, what he pioneered was so incredibly amazing that at the pinnacle of what they were doing, creating cars in the early days of the assembly line, it built up to the point where they would literally ship in raw ore, raw materials on train cars, and then a car would come out the other side. I mean, pretty incredible stuff that they pioneered and brought the cost down. If you've got a car now, we can pretty much thank him for doing that, making him affordable, the highway systems, all of that changed our life, changed our culture, changed the world because someone was willing to push through and pioneer. Amelia Earhart is another one who we look up to and really admire her sense of the pioneering spirit. She was the first woman to do a transatlantic flight solo by herself. And it was amazing because at that time, culturally, women were not looked at in the same way as the stature of a man, thinking that they would be able to accomplish such feats of strength and stamina. But she proved everyone wrong and said, hey, I can do this. And not only in that, she was able to set all kinds of air records and did amazing things and blazed a path for women to follow and say, hey, if she pioneered that, why can't I do that in my field, in my area? Why can't I do this? She was willing to pay the price and pioneer so that women could be empowered and enabled. This next one, um, Jackie Robinson, is this amazing story of um, baseball and sports and, and athletics that he was the first black African-American um, baseball player to play in the major leagues and he had to set all and see at that time that was unthinkable but he pioneered and came through and said you know what I'm going to do something that no one else has been able to do and it was not popular I'm sure the team took a big risk doing something like that people were not applauding it people were booing it people didn't like it but because of his character and the way that he carried himself and the way that he silently protested and went through and he was strong in this he totally changed the face not only of sports yes but he changed the culture as well and so many norms that we now take for granted happened from people like him who forged a path and pioneered 
here to make a way from us. The next one is the Wright brothers. And the Wright brothers, many of you know their story. They pioneered air flight, right? Air travel. If you've been in an airplane, you have the Wright brothers to thank for it. And something that's so amazing, the lesson that I learned from these pioneers is that failure is not final. Can you imagine if they would have tried the first time and they fell on their face and they're like, well, we tried, I guess we're done. That's not what they did. They had to keep trying over and over and over and redeveloping and studying and engineering. And they kept taking those failures and learning from them because that's what pioneers do. They're like, we're not, we're not going to stick with the status quo. They're saying that flying can't be done. We're going to show them. We're going to fly this thing. And they flew it and got it off of the ground. It's so amazing to see all of those things that they were able to do and how pioneers were actually able to be used in such great ways. And here's what I want us to catch and um, we're actually going to skip over the, this one and go to the, the last one for me, Rosa. Um, Steve Jobs is somebody um, who said maybe now more than ever, us, we, we get and we understand. When, he could be really polarizing because some of you are like Android fans, like no way. But here's what you got to know. He changed the, totally changed the way that we interact with our society and with our world, right? That everything is on our phones and someone had to pioneer that to make that happen, right? He said, we're going to do this phone. There's going to be these apps and then Android tried to copy it. And, the, and now we all have smartphones. We navigate with them. We do our pictures on them. We communicate to our loved ones. We buy things on there, but someone had to pioneer to pay the price. Actually, we're going to go one back, Rose, I lied on you. You don't want to miss Mr. Disney on this one. Mr. Disney was someone, Walt Disney, and I, I love his pioneering story. Why? Because it is unthinkable to think that he presented ideas and no one got on board. He looked for investors in Disneyland. He looked for investors in the movies and media, and people scoffed at him, but he never quit. And to look back now, it seems unthinkable. Who wouldn't buy in and want to be an investor at the ground level of Disneyland? They make a bazillion dollars. It's the happiest place on earth. But that's the thing about pioneers. Pioneers see a vision and a future that most people miss, and they're willing to pay the price that blaze a trail in order for us now, generations later, to still, if you've got a Disney princess song stuck in your head, blame Disney. He's the pioneer that made it happen. So I want us to understand that what that looks like for us as a church, that God has called us to be a pioneer, and even in our individual lives. And I just for a moment want to bring your attention to a guy named Zerubbabel in the Bible. He doesn't get a lot of airplay, and you maybe never even heard of him. Anyone heard of Zerubbabel before in the Bible? Everyone's like, I don't know who that is. What's up, Z? It's Zerubbabel. And so just to give you some context of who he is, Zerubbabel was born in the time of the exile. So what happens is God's people, they were taken over by a nation called Babylon. Babylon comes into Judah. They decimate it. They totally destroy everything. They destroy God's temple, which is a really big deal because that's where God's presence dwelled. It was before people had the Holy Spirit living in them, before Jesus. So the temple is physically where the presence of God was. They destroyed that. Solomon had built it. It was beautiful. It was grand. Destroy all of it. They plunder the entire nation. They take all of their goods. Not only that, they take all of the people. They leave just a remnant there. They take all of the noble people. They take all the people who have skills and abilities and they bring them to Babylon and they make them work to build their kingdom instead. And so this is where he comes from. He was, Zerubbabel was actually the grandson of the last king of Judah and he's actually in the royal line of King David. Remember King David, David and Goliath? God used him to bring down Goliath, becomes this mighty king. And so this is, he's actually a descendant of David, but Zerubbabel was born in captivity. 
Matter of fact, he had a Babylonian name that means seed of Babylon. He wasn't even from Judah. And so what happens that finally a ruler comes in and says, you know, I'm going to let you go back. I'm going to let you establish Judah once again. And so Zerubbabel becomes a pioneer. He leaves what's known. He leaves the status quo and he blazes a trail. And what he does when he gets there is he is going to rebuild the temple. And so what happens is this massive temple that used to be there, King Solomon built. It was when they were such a rich nation. They had all this money. It was super elaborate, the details and the gold and just the fine decorations and decor. It was unbelievable. And so Zerubbabel gets there. He's going to rebuild it. And matter of fact, when he starts laying the foundation, it's not quite as grand as the previous one. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that when the people that used to know they were the older generation that was familiar with Solomon's grand temple, when they saw the foundation being laid that Zerubbabel was going to build, they actually wept. They cried because they're like, this is pathetic. This is nothing compared to what we used to have. Matter of fact, even one of the prophets in the Bible who's been speaking about this temple says, you've seen it. It's pretty crappy compared to the first one. I mean, that's like the message translation. They're like, it's terrible, right? But he comes in, he pioneers. They have to push back against all these people who don't want them to build it. He has all of these just things that he's got to push through and do and get the people on board. And they're going to build this because God's presence is going to be there. And so I want to jump in. There's some prophetic words that a prophet named Zechariah has a vision and a dream about Zerubbabel, specifically about the temple that he's going to build. So if you want to join us here, the scripture they're going to put on the screen in Zechariah, starting in 4 verse six says, so he said to me, this is the Lord speaking to him. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but my spirit says the Lord almighty. What are you mighty mountain before Zerubbabel? You will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstones to shouts of God. Bless it. Bless it, God bless it. See, here's what's amazing to me. It wasn't that Zerubbabel was a pioneer that had it all going on and he came in there and he had all the skill and the ability and the political clout and he was gonna get it done. No, 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 God's telling him, it's not might, it's not power, it's not your own ability. Matter of fact, it's by my spirit that you're going to be able to build this. And I love the poetry that says, hey, what's that mountain that you've got to face? Basically saying, this is gonna be impossible, but because I'm on your side, that's gonna become like level ground. And when you build it with that capstone, people are gonna to be amazed and shout, God bless it. And then it continues on starting in verse 8. It says this, the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Here's what you got to know on this. That when Zerubbabel came and he was building the temple, he got so discouraged that there was actually a time frame. We don't know how, exactly how many years they stopped. They laid the foundation. Not much more happened. He was discouraged. It didn't seem like it was going to happen. And then he gets this word and says, guess what? You know what? The hands of Zerubbabel who have laid the foundation, who started it because I'm with you, you are going to lay the capstone and then people will know that I'm I am on your side. Then it finishes up in verse 10. It says this, my favorite part. It says, who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. So they're saying, you know what? It might seem crazy. It might seem like it's not going to get done. But here's the thing that's amazing. We can't despise the small beginning. 
See, it seems like it can't get done. And when we talk about this idea of pioneering and pioneering spirit, it's not just in our own strength. It's not in our own ability, but it's because the power of God is with us. And see, it does seem crazy when a pioneer goes out there. I imagine when people left to go out west, people were like, what are you thinking? Why would you leave your family? Why would you leave the comfort of what you know? Think of some of the people that we looked at on the screen and the things that they had to do and the price they had to pay to be a pioneer in their respective areas. But I love this, and it's not just simply about doing it in our own strength, our own ability, and it's not even just despising the small beginning. It's taking that first step. See, pioneers didn't show up and they just rolled out out west and San Francisco popped out of the ground. No, no, no. It took someone willing to load up their entire family, all of their goods, and get into a wagon and start out out west, right? It takes that first small step, and God is saying, don't despise that small beginning, for it's going to happen not in your own strength and your own ability, but because of who I am. Here's what's amazing to me. As Zerubbabel built the temple and he finished it, and it was done. And it was not as grand. It was not as pretty. It was not as large. It was not as ornate, right? It was just kind of, eh. But here's what's amazing, what God has to say about it. In Haggai verses 2, 9, it says this. The glory of this present house, speaking of Zerubbabel's temple, the new one, the smaller one, the more petite one, will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. God basically saying, it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. You just have to be obedient to pioneer and do and to build what I told you to build. And it might look like it's insignificant. It might look like, what are we thinking? It might look kind of sad, but since God is in it, and here's what you got to catch, God's glory being in this. He God's presence dwelled in the temple. This is where God showed up. And here's what really blows my mind about Zerubbabel's temple. Are you ready for this? It was actually the temple that was in existence while Jesus was on the earth. Jesus, years and years later, walked through the halls of Zerubbabel's temple. Come on, someone, that's amazing. And so when we see and understand this pioneering spirit and what we're praying for as a church, it's not easy to miss that our culture and our world is a mess. We live in a dark place. People are far from God. Matter of fact, people are not far from God. People are just flat out hostile towards Christians in the church in our culture. If we take a look, and matter of fact, I got a friend right now who's messaging us on a church planning forum, and they're starting a church that's launching this year. They have all kinds of people attacking them, writing nasty messages on their social media. They don't want them there. They don't want them to church there. And friends, this is like in Ohio, right? And this is, this is what's going on. So when we look at it, we're like, man, I feel a little bit like in cultural today that it's the same thing. We come to the Temple of Solomon. Remember how great church used to be? Remember everyone used to go on Sundays and there was Sunday school and everyone followed God. Everyone knew the Bible stories. There was still some sense of morality and justice in people. People had reverence for God. But now we show up and we see and we're like, God, what are you? This is crazy. How can we do this? And it's the same thing as a church as God has called us the pioneer saying he's looking for some people who are going to be able to give up their preferences. Just like when they laid that foundation of Zerubbabel's temple and they weeped and they cried and they're like, man, it's nothing compared to the past. It might require us to lay down our preferences and the way we think church should be done. 
It might us require to lay down what we want and what we are experiencing and what we encounter at the sake of saying, God, we're going to pioneer and blaze a trail to follow you, to be led by your spirit, not in our ability, not in our power, not in our own strength, not in our own resources, but God, we see that there is a world that is hurt, that is dying, that is far from you. Matter of fact, some of them are just straight up hostile towards you, but God, it doesn't change the way that you feel about them, that you love them, you care about them, you want more than anything to have relationship with them. And God has called us as a church, and friends, I feel this so strongly for us in 2020 that he is looking for some people who are going to pioneer and blaze a trail, who are going to be a little bit like Walt Disney and be able to see it. And years from now, people were like, how could they? it just it seems so obvious? How could it have not been? Why wouldn't I have been involved with something like that? But it's going to be God's going to say, I'm going to raise some people up who are going to pioneer this, who are going to blaze the trail, who are going to go and going to pay the price so that generations, years from now, and family trees can be changed because someone paid the price and I'm going to lay down my preference. I'm going to lay down what I want. I'm going to lay down my own desires. And instead, I'm going to build God's kingdom. Friends, we are not trying to fill chairs in a church. We are trying to populate the kingdom and we're trying to populate heaven. But it's going to take some people who are going to blaze the trail and pioneer. What does that mean for us individually? Like, man, Brian, that's great that we can pioneer and believe that God's going to send pioneering families and individuals to Treeline. And we've seen that over and over. There's been so many people on this team. I'm so humbled by the pioneers God has sent us to launch this church. It's been unbelievable over this last year and a half to see how faithful God has been and how faithful people have been stepped up and pioneered and blazed the trail for us to do what we're doing. But how does that pertain to our life? How can I apply this pioneer spirit to, to me? And I think this is something that is really important for us. Because as great as it is to pioneer and blaze the trail for a church to come into a community and reach people who are far from God, I believe God is calling each and every one of us to pioneer in our own life. I believe that God has called us to pioneer in our families in our marriages, in our parenting, as our, with our kids, with our grandkids, in our sphere of influence, in our, in our workplace, in the things that God has entrusted us with. What does that look like? See, in my marriage, if I'm going to be a pioneer in my marriage, it might require me to lay down my comfort, the status quo, and put some work in, put some effort, go through some pain, and say, you know what? I'm going to fight for this marriage. I'm going to fight for my kids. I'm going to fight to be a parent that raises my house as for us, we are going to know and serve the Lord. But it's it takes someone who's going to come in with a pioneer spirit, have a vision for what God has called you to, what he has spoke to you, the promises that he's given to you, that you're going to lay down your preferences, you're going to lay down your comfort, you're going to lay down the laziness, whatever it is, and you're going to stand up and say, you know what, I'm in this thing. I'm going to pay the price. Why? There is a price to pay on the front end for pioneers, but the payoff at the end, friends, is so worth everything that you have to give up to get to where God has called you to be. Friends, I believe that God has called us in this year to not just pioneer a church, but a pioneering spirit to raise up in our own lives and our relationship with him. God has called you to be more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And here's the thing that you've got to get. You don't have to be overwhelmed in this. Why? Because God has not called you to do this alone. See, did you catch what he said to Zerubbabel? It's not by your might. It's not by your power. It's by my spirit. And Jesus has called you to be more than a conqueror. He said that I am more than enough in every single circumstance or situation. See, this is who God has called us to be. And I believe this is the word that God has spoken to us in 2020. Where are our pioneers that God has called us? And here's the thing that really trips me out. And many times when God speaks to you, 
Sometimes it's in those small, meager ways, and sometimes it's like in those big shouts that he gives you, and sometimes you read a scripture and it comes alive. And here's what really blew my mind as I was researching this idea of speaking about pioneers for us this year in Treeline. See, as I was even just studying pioneer and studying where the word pioneer came from, it actually comes from a French term, and it came from foot soldiers. It was this idea of foot soldiers were pioneers. And then here's what really blew my mind. It wasn't just foot soldiers that the word came from, but they were soldiers that were known for digging trenches. Oh, come on, someone. Why is this significant? If you've been around me or you've been around Treeline for any length of time, you know that God has called us to dig trenches. And so what does that specifically mean? I don't have time to get into all this. We're going to unpack this over this year. But there's a story in 2 Kings, and we've shared this before here at Treeline. And in 2 Kings, their back was up against the wall. What happened? Why? Because they needed God to show up in a big way. They were out fighting against a mighty army. They knew that they were going to be defeated in battle. They were trapped. They were cut off from the water that they needed for their soldiers, for the water that they needed for their animals. They didn't know what they were going to do. They were pretty much, woe is me. We're defeated. We're done for. God, you sent us out here. Now we're going to be wiped out by our enemies. We thought that you were for us. But then something amazing happens. God gives them the word and tells them to do something, and then he meets them in their faith. He says this in 2 Kings 3.16. It says, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of trenches. You shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water so that you shall drink both, and you and your cattle and your beasts. This is but a slight thing in the sight of the Lord. He will also give the Moabites into your hand. Translation, he is saying, you need water, but here's what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need you to step out in faith and be a little bit crazy. Why? I need you to pick up some shovels, go out into these fields, and I need you to fill them with trenches. I need you to be a pioneer, be a foot soldier. I need you to dig some holes. You're not going to see wind. Matter of fact, clouds aren't going to come. There's going to be no rain that fills this. You're just simply going to be amazed by what God is going to do. And God sends this water and they're able to drink and they're able to get their strength and the resources. And he says, not only that, not only the water I'm going to give you, but I'm also going to deliver your enemy into your hand. See, friends, and that's something that God, we feel that he has called us to do as a church. That he's saying, you know what, it might not make sense to plant a church. It might not make sense to put all of this effort into it. It might not make sense. Where's the resources gonna come from? Where are the people? Is, are we toiling or are we laboring in vain? Even as Jasmine prayed, sometimes we get weary because we're saying, God, I know that you called us to do this, but it just seems like we're not seeing the results. It seems like you're not answering the prayers that we want you to or fast enough. And God's saying, if you will just be obedient to go out and dig the trenches. I'm sure their enemy thought they were out of their mind. Well, guys, they've lost it. They're digging a bunch of holes in the ground. Apparently, they're doing our job for us and making graves so we can just throw them in it and bury them, right? No, no, no. God had a plan. And they just stepped out in their faith and they dug some holes in the ground and God did something supernaturally. And that's what we're believing God has called us to do that as pioneers, even the root of the word. Come on, it like punched me in the face when I read that definition this week. I had no idea. Foot soldiers that were known for digging trenches. That is who God has called us to be. 
So this brings us to our prayer declaration. I'm just going to ask you to stand as we pray this together. I'm going to ask you to stir your faith with me that we're going to pray this prayer declaration. We're going to mean it. So I'm just going to ask you to press in this moment. We're going to believe that this is going to be a year in 2020 that God is going to bring about a pioneering spirit in us individually, in our families, in our homes, in our jobs, in our finances, in our relationship with him, in our relationships, in our extended family. We believe that God's going to bring a pioneering spirit spirit also in tree line that he's going to send those who have a heart and a vision to not be satisfied with the status quo who are going to be willing to lay down their rights who are going to be willing to lay down their preferences who are going to be able to say goodbye to comfort and say hello to work to dig some trenches to reach people who are far from God so God we declare that God will send pioneering individuals and families who will see the potential of our vision and will passionately take action Lord we thank you for the pioneering spirit coming on Treeline in 2020. Lord, we thank you that even though the work will be hard, that the hours will be long, that the sacrifice will be great. We thank you that the former God, that what you are doing now, that you are doing a new thing, it will be greater than what we saw in the past. God, if we were willing to trust you, to put our faith in you and say yes to the plan of your spirit as we follow you and be led by your spirit, because it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, Father God. And we thank you for what you're going to do in this church. We thank you for what you're going to do in these families. God, I just pray right now a pioneering spirit would fall on every single person who is here, who is watching, who is listening. God, we are so excited to see what you're going to do in this year, in 2020. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.